Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. And I know some states have started to loosen up restrictions for some of you, but a lot of you are still under stay-home orders, including our buddy Duff McKagan, which is, uh, he's still home in Seattle, hanging out with family, and thinking up and calling in the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. <laughs> hey, Chris Jericho, uh, Duff McKagan here. Hope you're doing good. You know, I'm just in the backyard, um, safely quarantining, safely quarantining. Uh, Sue just gave herself a nice pedicure out in the backyard. We're listening to some go, go-go's. She gave me a pedicure as well. But listen, a guy called me and tried to sell me a, a coffin. I said, that's the last thing I need. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was a good one. Duff uh, keeping us laughing during the quarantine. Thank you so much. And I'm pretty sure keeping himself laughing as well during this crisis. Uh, and while things are improving around the country, I think it's going to be a while before we can all go to concerts and bars and that sort of thing. And that's why you should come hang out with me tomorrow night for the Saturday night special uh, with special guest Hurricane Helms. We're telling stories, uh, having some drinks, sing-alongs, and of course, I'm answering your questions. Join me on Facebook Live or YouTube Live at 9 p.m. Eastern. Let's have some fun. And if you can't be there live on Saturday night, you can check out the fun the next day on my Facebook page or my YouTube channel. All right, so another thing I've been doing while staying home during the pandemic is rereading some of my favorite books by uh, my favorite author, Stephen King. I got Jojo Feeney here from the Keeping It 100 uh, with Conan podcast. Big Stephen King fan as well. So Jojo and I put together our top 10 Stephen King books. Uh, we're going to share our list with you guys, talk about our favorite characters and scenes and chapters and which of our Stephen King books were turned into great movies and miniseries and others which uh, were not so good. We've got stories about The Shining, Carrie, The Stand, It, uh, Pet Cemetery, and even the short stories Stephen King wrote that were made into, uh, into great movies like The Shawshank Redemption and Stand By Me. All about Stephen King today on Talk is Jericho, starting now. All right, so now that we're at uh, home here during lockdown, during the pandemic, it's kind of a good time to build things if you're that style of, uh, of, of technician or maybe you're watching movies that you haven't seen. But it's also time and a good time to read books as well. And uh, Jojo Feeney and I, uh, who's from uh, Conan's show, Keep It 100, and, and longtime friend of, of, of Jericho, shall we say, um, mm-hmm. have been talking for a while about doing a Stephen King-themed uh, podcast. So we thought now is the perfect time for that, um, as people have a lot of time to, to read. And we're going to do our top 10 Stephen King books, so that, that's very hard to, to choose uh, just 10. Yeah, it was. It was definitely. And going through his uh, his whole catalog and picking my favorite, you know, top ten or whatever, it made me realize that there's a lot I want to go back and reread. You know, right. so there's a lot of time to do that now as well. Well, let's talk about this. So, when did you first discover Stephen King, and kind of tell us about your relationship with uh, with him and his stories over the years? I, I grew up early by that i mean when i was 11 12 years old i didn't want to watch you know ninja turtles or read you know uh, rl stein and stuff like that i i jumped right into like watching r-rated movies and and i read adult novels and biographies and stuff like that it's just it's just the way i grew up is what i was interested in so i would raid my dad's uh book bookshelf Mm -hmm. and the first stephen king book i grabbed uh, we'll talk about it on my list but i remember i grabbed um Cujo because the cover you know it had the dog on there with the foam and mouth and everything I was like oh this looks this looks cool and I hadn't seen any of his movies yet or anything like that so he was kind of a mystery to me I just picked it based off the cover and of course you know my mind was blown 
from just from that first book, you know, and then from there, I, I read everything that I could through the years. And anytime I, we took a family trip when I was younger, I would stop at, you know, the bookstore and make sure I had a couple paperback for wherever we were going and always made sure that it was, you know, I had a Stephen King book with me when I traveled. Yeah, it's funny because I had kind of a similar uh, my aunt turned me on to Stephen King and she was kind of always like my cool aunt that would kind of call the shots for what I was doing, you know, in, in books and, and all that sort of thing. And she um, turned me on to, to reading Carrie. And yeah. it's funny because when I was, I think I was probably 12, maybe 13, she, um, she, she told me to read this book. And that's how I found out what a period was, like a female period, because it <laughs> yeah. starts obviously with Carrie having, you know, having her period in the shower and everyone's just, you know, no pun intended, ragging on her and yeah. screaming at her. And I had no idea that that's what happened. I was kind of freaked out too. Yeah, yeah. I um, <laughs> See, some of them, it's interesting that we'll, we'll talk about. Some movies came out afterwards or miniseries. And so for some of these, it's like I saw the movie first and then some I didn't. And with Carrie, I'd seen the movie first, you know. And uh, so sometimes you get certain pictures in your head of the characters and stuff like that. But that was uh, that was one of the first movies of him of his that I did see. Well, and like I said too, when I discovered King in '83, that was kind of his golden era because even when you go through and look uh, to, through his bibliography, and we'll discuss this. I mean, he started. Carrie was in '74, mm-hmm. so like you said, you started at Cujo, which was '81. You've got all these books you can go back and read. So when I discovered Carrie, excuse me, Carrie in eighty two, eighty three, had all these years to go back and read uh, all the classic books that he that he wrote, and then also he had so many coming out at that time: Christine, Pet Cemetery, Talisman, you know, Eyes of the Dragon, Thinner, It, Misery. Uh, it's all in there. The Stand, like it's it's this kind of golden era of King at that time frame. So so like you said. I, I was a King fanatic and, and wasn't – I remember I tried to read like Dean Koontz and a couple yeah. other ones here and there. But to me, if it wasn't King, I wasn't interested. And I read every single thing he, uh, he put out with one notable exception, which we'll talk about. It's funny you mention uh, Dean Koontz because I, I went through the same thing where I would be in the bookstore, you know, in the airport or train station gift shop looking for something to grab for a trip or whatever – and, you know, you give these other guys a chance, but they're just, it's just the same. Once you're a Stephen King fan, like that's, you're used to his voice, used to his style. That's what you know. That's what you want to read. And uh, although some of the books I've read from Koontz were good, nothing has hung on through the years like a lot of these novels have. Yeah, exactly. And, and of course, too, you know, like you mentioned, there's all the movies and, and there's been so many King movies and so many bad ones uh, yeah. to, to, to mention what are your, uh, before we get into the top 10 books, what are your, your top three, top five, whatever, a favorite King movies? Uh, the, the, the Shining, of course, the, the first one yeah. with Jack Nicholson, not the, the miniseries, although that was pretty good too. Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. Carrie, I'm going to give the Stand miniseries, I'm going to throw that up there. Oh, wow. And uh, the first, when they just came out with the two It. It chapter one and chapter two. I, I really like chapter one. Was kind of let down by chapter two, but I'll still put chapter one up there. Yeah, they did a good job with it. I, I find they should do that with the stand as well. You need to break that up into a, a couple movies. And like you said, they did that in the early '90s. They did a stand uh, miniseries. They did an it miniseries. But the fact that it was on actual network television made it a little bit lame. But I, I really liked uh, Misery. I think it was probably the best. Oh yeah, Stephen King movie. Green Mile was great. 
Shawshank Redemption, Stand okay. By Me. Uh, I thought The Mist was awesome, although I hated, hated, hated the ending of it. I thought they did a good job with everything else because that's a hard, hard movie to make. You know, yeah. so there's all those ones which are, are much better than the, um, you know, the uh, uh, Lawnmower Man of the World. Yeah. Sleepwalkers. <laughs> Let's see which one. Remember Sleepwalkers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something like The Running Man, where they just butcher the story completely. Right. You know, I, you know so. But let's get into this, man. Top 10 Stephen King books. And I've got a couple honorable mentions, uh, which do you have some honorable mentions or did you just stick with a straight 10? Yeah, I went with kind of when you told me that you had your list and you had some extras for honorable. I was like, well, there, there's certain ones that I can't cut. So I'll throw them in the honorable mentions. So yeah, I do have a few. Well, let's start with your honorable mentions. Well, the first one I picked was uh, little known because they don't publish it anymore. And uh, he wrote it as Richard Bachman uh, back in the day. And it was his first book as, as Bachman. And it was called Rage. Hmm. The reason it's not around anymore is because it was basically about a, a high school school right. shooter. Right. You know, so uh, I believe in the late 90s, he, he took it out of print and even took it out of this. There was a collection called the Bachman book yeah. that he wrote under a pseudonym. And Rage was one of them along with Running Man and whatever. But I, I recognized reading it as a teenager how dangerous it could be, you know, and it turned out that some some kids did take it the wrong way and, and use it as a bad influence on, you know, some of these school shooters. They found the book in their locker or whatever, you know, so. Really? He, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, one of the lesser known ones. It's not like Columbine or anything like that. I, I can't remember where which one it was, but yeah, he had the book in his uh, locker. So that that was the uh, impetus for uh, for King to, to try to, you know, get that stopped from being published. Um it's interesting because I also have the Bachman books as one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, Rage and Roadwork were okay, but to me, because Bachman books, Stephen King wrote a bunch of books early in his career under the pseudonym Richard Bachman, as you mentioned, and they put mm-hmm. together the collection, a collection of them. So it was basically four novellas. Um, but I think The Long Walk and Running Man, and don't, if you haven't read The Running Man, don't think it's the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura. That's about 10% of what the book is. The book yeah. is so well done. It's basically the whole country's chasing after him. Uh, as It's a game show where you basically stay on the run as long as you can and everyone's looking for you. And then also uh, The Long Walk, which is another kind of post-apocalyptic game show where guys walk as long as they can. Uh, and if you stop walking a certain speed, they shoot you. And whoever lasts the longest wins. And I think to this day, both of those stories are two of my favorite stories that King's ever written. It's funny because as as talented as he is, and you know, some of these guys, they're either really great novelists, and maybe the short stories aren't up to par, or vice versa. Someone can write a really good short story, and then the novels can drag or whatever. But with King, even his really epic books like It or The Stand that I'll, we'll talk about later, of course, are, are as good as are on par with some of these short story collections, like, you know, the Bachman books and Four Past Midnight and stuff, which was another one of my honorable mentions. Four Past Midnight had uh, the Langoliers in it, which another miniseries in the 90s, which is the miniseries was kind of it's kind of funny to look back. Not the greatest, but it's definitely unique. So uh, I put Four Past Midnight on there as well. well it's not- like you said, with, with all of these forums and platforms looking for content, yeah. if I was a producer, I would look through all of King's stuff and redo, you know, or remake or whatever you could, because it's all so well done. Um, and, and, you know, and, and like you mentioned, I forgot about uh, Four Past Midnight. I'm just scrolling through yeah. now, like The Sun Dog. Yeah. Is a killer story as well. 
So I'll move on to my next uh, next honorable mention. And once again, all of these are honorable mentions because I just couldn't fit them into into ten uh, ten slots. But I'm going to go with Christine. Uh, another i think it might have been the second stephen king book that i read because i loved carrie so much and i think i I went and got it maybe firestarter dead zone but but um christine was the next one that i really really uh, equated to and i showed my daughters the movie about a year ago and the movie doesn't hold up the movie's kind of a stinker Um, yeah (laughs) but the book's still great yeah i um i also included uh the dead zone and uh cujo both on this list and like I said, Cujo was the first one I read. Dead Zone was the second. My dad had them both. You know, I just stole them from the bookshelf. And uh, it's it's tough, like you said, to make a top ten. They're, they're both really good. It's, having them on honorable mention isn't a bad reflection on them at all. And actually, those are the two that I saw on my list, and I was like, I got to go back and reread these as an adult, you know, because I read them when I was a teenager. Well, the thing is, too, the Dead Zone, it's such a cool story because it's basically the tale. It's a lot like The Stand. It's, it's the tale of two cities so to speak it's not just the fact that johnny's got these powers to see the future but it's also the fact that that the the, the guy running for president is, is basically crazy and wants to end the world from what i recall and so there's yeah. two separate stories that kind of combine and and meet head on yeah and it's interesting uh because he kind of makes the you know attempt at you know spoiler alert the attempt at assassin is the hero of the book right you know I thought that was a cool perspective yeah yeah exactly exactly a great perspective there um, my other, uh, I have two more honorable mentions. One of them is It, and the only reason why I put It on there is because it's been so discussed, re- uh, so discussed recently with the movies, and everybody knows about it. So obviously, that's a King classic that everyone should read. But I just felt to be in the top ten, uh, I'll put something else in there that maybe people haven't read. Right, right. Yeah, I uh, that'll be that'll be on my list, and I just th- with the film, I thought it was interesting to see how they were going to approach a certain scene. That we could discuss, which sure. was, uh, man, reading that as a teenager, it didn't really hit me until I got older. How it's just very awkward, and and that the the scene basically is the the main girl goes, you know, they're trapped underground, and she winds up having sex with all the male characters, but it's treated in like this touching, tender way. But you look you look back at it, you're like, man, that is an awkward scene right. to, and read, you know. Did they put that in the movie in the new one? No, no, they just uh, yeah, they just they- escaped. I forgot about that. And she does that to make them all men or something. What's the reason for that? I can't remember. Yeah, it's like, so they all, it's like to make a connection between all of them. And then right. once they have connection, they can overpower, you know, Pennywise's powers and find their way out from, from under the sewers or whatever. It was, even explaining it sounds kind of odd, right? But in, in the story, like I swear, it does fit. What a great detail, too. That's something my aunt, she was the dean of education at the University of Manitoba, very smart lady genius lady and she always really kind of uh, approved and encouraged my reading and every year on my birthday we would go to the bookstore and to a record store and she'd buy me whatever i wanted there was no limit and i bought you know i would buy five or six books there but she said what is it about stephen king that you like so much and she said i don't want to hear because it's scary like i want you to really think about it and i said it's it's his attention to detail he's such a great detailed writer uh, even if he's describing, you know, I'm looking out my window, uh, describing a tree or, 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 or bushes or coming up with these little details like, fuck, how can they beat Pennywise? Well, if they have the ultimate connection of, of having sex with each other, like that's such a king thing to do. Yeah. Because um, he covers all the bases. There's never any plot holes in a Stephen King book. No, and even his, you mentioned his attention to detail. It's like, I feel like even though I, I've never been to the state of Maine, but I feel like I know exactly what it looks like because 
his stories were based, whether it was Derry or Castle Rock or even in Bangor or whatever. But just the way he would describe the state, I feel like I've seen it. You know, you know, it's funny because we did have a show a couple of years ago in Bangor, and, huh. and it's the first time I'd been there. And like you said, it's like it's Stephen King all across the board. And I, I went to his house with the big bat gates and all that sort of stuff yeah. and kind of sat in front of it. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Like you said, you, you can see these characters and like I know what a what a main accent sounds like, even yes. though I don't really know just from what I've read in, in King books. Right, right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> My last uh, honorable mention is 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 the most recent one that I read, which is Outsider. And the mm-hmm. only reason I didn't put it in my top ten is I have three other kind of uh, late era king on there, so I didn't want to put too many. But Outsider was was just amazing too. It was an excellent book. I'm not sure if you've read that one or not. I know that you said you were trying to read it before we did this. Yeah, I haven't yet, but I know when I first saw like description of it, I think I saw in a bookstore and read you know the tab, and I was like, man, that sounds like classic king, like yes. you know form or whatever if you will and uh i i have it i just haven't read it yet because i'm waffling between like do i want to read it and then watch the yeah. show i want to watch the show you know so but it's here it's waiting i just i haven't gotten to it yet i always want to read read it first and it's funny because i really really like the book and the show i didn't like some of the casting so i only lasted a couple episodes mm-hmm. uh and maybe it was too fresh because i literally just read the book and then and then went to watch the series right after so maybe i'll give it another try you know, six months down the line or so. But yeah, like you said, classic King, amazing mystery, great plot twists, great character development. And uh, just, uh, you know, he, he has enjoyed a late career resurgence. And we'll yeah. discuss this because there was a time for almost 20 years where he wrote a lot of just mediocre, more normal books than yeah. outright horror, or supernatural or or whatever a lot of relationship stuff and, you know, Gerald's game and bag of bones and hearts in Atlantis and those type of, of show of books. But anyways, let's go. I don't know if we're, are we going to do this chronologically? Or are you going 10 to one or how did you do your list? I went 10 to one. Okay. So. Well, let's you, you start with 10 and then I went chronologically. So I'll start from the beginning and you start from your 10 and we'll work our way down there. So what's, what's your number 10 on the list? So I started with, uh, on writing, which is his not—it's actually a non-fiction book, and uh, you know, it's about uh, the you know the process of writing and how he writes characters, how he started writing his childhood, and then it uh, has the second part of the book is actually after his um, after he was hit by the van. If you remember, he was in a very serious uh, accident where a van hit him as he was walking down the road, and he had broken leg and ribs and a hip, and it took him a while to recover. And he, you know, the book kind of describes the, the accident, the aftermath, you know, and and worrying about how this was going to affect writing. If oh man, can I write about the accident? Is this going to take over? You know, everything I'm thinking about writing, everything. And for me, as you know, uh, someone who wants to be a writer and, and writes on occasion and has ideas and tries to form them and things like that, it's a book I find myself picking up a lot because I find it inspiring every time I read it. I learn something new or it'll push me to write more and stuff like that. So anyone who's, you know, a creative minded person, whether they write, want to write stories or scripts, whatever, I would recommend reading on writing for sure. I've never read that before. Um, that's probably the one thing of his that I haven't read. There might be a couple other ones. There's one thing it was called like Dance Macabre or something like that that I haven't oh, read, yeah. but uh, yeah. interesting. So, so it's, it's on writing. He wrote it like, years ago and then kind of did an abridged version after uh after his accident or did he write the whole book after his accident yeah the first part he started uh, it was kind of like he started writing and he put in a drawer worked on some other things and then the, the the accident happened and that's when he came back to it and uh 
So like uh, this, the last third of the book, I would say is post accident and him describing everything that he went through and, you know, how badly he was injured and, and all that stuff and how, how much he had trouble writing afterwards. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check that one out. Um, cause like I said, his, his nonfiction stuff is very good as well. Uh, for me, uh, starting right near the beginning, Salem's lot is, uh, is on there is, is one of my 10. There was a mini series of this from the seventies. I remember David soul was in it. And um, they did a good job with it, but it's it's a great book. It's actually fairly short for a King book as well. I believe it's only 250, 300 pages, but it's really well done. And it's about vampires, uh, obviously, if you haven't yeah. seen the book but or seen the movie. But it's like I said, it's it's one of those ones. I remember there's, there's a great scene in there where one of the babies, a kid's baby. Actually, it's a longer book. It's over 400 pages, my mistake. But for King, that's fairly short. But I remember there's a scene where one of the babies, a, kid, a lady's baby dies because she's been infected to be a vampire or something along those lines. And she's trying to feed it baby food. And I remember is a King describing that the baby food just like fell out of its mouth, like with a plop. Mm. And just the fact that I can remember that line after reading this, you know, some 40 odd years ago, uh, once again, tells you how great of a writer he, uh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll go through both of our lists. We'll probably hit a few of these. One thing I learned about him early on was, uh, no character was safe. If right. It, if it was a, a little kid or even an infant or, you know, a, a teenage character that you're really grown fond of, no one is safe in his book. So, Well, and like you said, I mean, uh, even in The Outsider, I mean, all of these, and I'm, I'm not going to say plot spoiler or whatever, but, but the guy that you're pulling for dies in the first 100 pages. And you're like, well, who am I going to pull for now? Yeah, and then, and then the whole other story unfolds. So, so you're you're definitely right. Nobody's safe in a King book, especially kids. King writes a lot of great kids stories about kids, but he's also not afraid to kill them too, and Dude. in very brutal ways. Right, right. You know. <laughs> okay, what's number nine? So, uh, just real quick, I there's a part of me with pop culture and stuff where I got stuck in like the early two thousands. I mean, movies, music, and books and stuff. So. I kind of fell off with King for a little while, right? So in the mid-2000s, I kind of stopped reading his stuff. There was a couple that just turned me off. But this is a recent one. It's just the last few years, actually. It's called Mr. Mercedes. Mm. Or, excuse me, like the last 10 years. And uh, it's the beginning of a trilogy. I just found that out. I was like, oh, man, I got two more books in this series to check out. But it was um, it's about a retired detective. He's kind of getting screwed with by a, uh, a notorious killer in his town who got away with... Uh, an incident where he drove a car into a crowd and calls himself Mr. Mercedes and, you know, sends him letters teasing him and all this. And it's, you know, about that, hunting the guy down, trying to find him. There's a, a side romance storyline, which King does that a little bit with the older guy mm-hmm. going for, you know, a, a new chick in his life or whatever. And um, is that a, what's, what's the name of the main character? Bill something? Uh, yeah, Bill Hodges. Yeah, yeah. He, has, he, does, he has a, a series of Bill Hodges books. Yeah, I, I didn't notice, but I have the second one on my Kindle, and I'm like, all right, let's we'll get to that next, you know. But um, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise because, like I said, I had fallen off a little bit in the mid 2000s. So to see him, and I, I used the term "return to form" earlier. That's what it was for me with this Mr. Mercedes. Like, oh yeah, he still got it. Like, good. Like, yeah, know, like I said, he he is he really has enjoyed a major career resurgence uh, over the last 10, 15 years for sure. So um, let's move on to your number nine. Is that is that is that it, Mr. Mercedes? Yes. Yeah, that was nine. Great. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm a big fan of King's short stories, and that's another thing that he's that he's done is he has released, gosh, probably half a dozen now, if not more, short story collections. 
this guy's always writing and whether he's writing you know 1200 page books like under the dome or whether he's writing you know four or five page stories there's so many great ones and night shift to me is another early king book that yeah. i discovered and there's so many classic stories in that there's graveyard shift which is about giant rats <laughs> in a mine shaft which they made a movie of there's the mangler which is about a crazy like <laughs> a possessed uh, dry cleaning machine gray matter battleground trucks uh, sometimes they come back which they made a movie of the lawnmower man which they did and of course children of the corn uh, th- this one is, is one that if you guys are looking for some great short stories for King, uh, this is definitely uh, d- definitely one of them. You know, they made a movie of The Mangler, too. They did. That's right. Yeah, uh, 95. I was just I looked it up real quick. But yeah, I, I just remember Graveyard Shift specifically from that collection. Like, you know, and he writes it, it, people call it the horror genre. He is a horror writer, but he can write the horror stories. Yes. Come, and a whole bunch of different stuff. But Graveyard Shift is terrifying, man, especially if you have a fear of rats, rodents, whatever. Home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. And, and Trucks was actually made into Maximum Overdrive. Right, yeah. The, but you mentioned, too, he does the horror stuff better than anybody. There's also a great story in this called The Ledge about uh, this guy's little sister who becomes a stripper, and basically she jumps off a ledge and commits suicide. And just his whole story about how he loses her and you know how, how she... she distances herself from his family it's it's just a really well done story about a family and and king's so great at that as well yeah he is he really is number eight hearts in atlantis uh i don't like the one that they turned into the movie wasn't called hearts in atlantis in the book it was called the men in men in low coats or something like that and the hearts in atlantis story in the book was totally different it was about a college student during the vietnam war era he turns a little hippie-ish meets a girl and that to me that's why i picked it because i find myself going back to that story a lot it's got a lot of memorable characters it's a little bit different because although some of the stories in that collection have the supernatural element this kind of didn't and it had characters from other stories in it the hearts in atlantis story in the hearts in atlantis collection and overall, I just thought that it was it was one of his better collections because all the stories wound up tied together. It's interesting, yeah, because that's another kind of uh, a few short stories and a few novellas. And mm-hmm. I, I remember reading that once, but I, I never revisited it. Maybe I'll have to check that out again. Are they all connected or are they all separate? They're all connected and there's kind of a, a vague connection to uh, the Dark Tower and, and some of the villains from the Dark Tower, which, you know, th- that shows up a lot throughout Always, the book. yeah. People don't realize that they're reading about a villain from another book you are, you know, but... Uh, it was just I liked it because it was about a kid in college, you know, him and his boys get addicted to playing hearts and meets a girl and stuff. It's just one of those stories mm-hmm. and just really well written. I'll go to, to number three for me, which is The Stand, which I'm currently rereading now, uh, the, yeah. the, the, you know, the longer version, the extended version. Yep. And I'll tell you what, man, it's crazy how much in common the beginning of The Stand has with what's going on right now with this global right. pandemic. And it also makes me realize how lucky we are that this coronavirus didn't kill, you know, 99% of the population like Captain Trips did because it starts the same way. Everyone's denying it. No one can believe it. Blind panic. And then, and then everyone's gone. Everyone's dead. But then the real story starts with, of course, good versus evil and Randall Flagg, the walking dude who appears in many King books always as the evil guy. Uh, and always has the initials RF as well. Mm-hmm. One thing about uh, about King that I'm sure we'll, we could get into is the fact that he's a huge uh, music fan, rock music from yes. the 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever. And he'll always put lyrics in there, either in the story or as 
a preamble to the chapter. And one thing I remember from the stand extended version, being a huge Doors fan, is that he randomly has Stu Redmond run into Jim Morrison. Like, and in the story, Morrison has faked his death. He pulls up to Stu's gas station. And Stu's kind of, you kind of look familiar, man. And then he like figures it out. Or I thought that was a cool little side story, you know. Very much so. And I also, too, I remember Christine, There's one of the lyrics that he used was, there's a killer on the road, his brain is squirming like a toad. Right. And whenever yeah. I hear that song and hear that line, I always think of, of Christine. So, um, But the stand, I mean, it's so, so f- good. And there's so many great characters, like you said. Stu Redman and then Nick Ambrose, who's uh, mute and deaf. And then you've got the trash can man. you got the, the kid and, and a Randall Flagg and Harold Lauder. It just, it's yeah. so well done because it's not the pandemic part that's the meat of the story. It's almost like Full Metal Jacket, the movie. There's two distinct, amazing stories that are connected just because they're basically in the same book. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, that's one of his big, big epics. So if you haven't checked it out and you're going to you know, get ready to, to invest some time in it. Yeah, exactly. T- take some time because it is, like you said, especially the, the expanded version of being about 1,200 pages or so. But it's worth it. None of it is, 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 is dead weight, shall we say. Right. All right, number seven. Are you uh, number seven? Or, yeah, number seven. Number seven, I'm going to go Pet Cemetery. Ooh, nice. Yeah. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, he's not afraid to knock off uh, a child character, which is what really uh, sends a story spinning, is you know, one of the main characters. Kid gets hit by a truck, and I'm sure people have seen either the original or the remake or whatever, so that's not, too, that's not a huge spoiler. But just the way the main character, Lewis, reacts, and as the reader, you're going, nah, man, no, don't do that. What do you do? T- yeah. You know, it's going to work out, you know, and he's just so... <laughs> exactly. I didn't and, like the twist in the new version of the movie where they killed the daughter instead of the son. You know, it works so much better with, with, with Gage, you yeah. know, and I, I remember reading it like he, he, he feels his fingertips on the back of the kid's shirt, but he yeah. just can't grab it. He's that close, and that's what sends him over the edge to want to bury his son in the pet cemetery, and of course, his son comes back uh, uh, not the same way as 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 he was when he was alive, shall we say? That kid was great in the original, the little blonde kid that, that played him. But absolutely, like I'm not a huge stickler when it comes to you know movie versions of books, although I I can be. And in that case, when I saw that they they did the the, the daughter was the one that got killed, it kind of turned me off. Like, what'd you do that for? There's no reason to change that. Yeah. You know, that was just to give you two seconds to people like us that have seen it and know the story of going, oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. wow, she gets it. And then you realize that throws the whole dynamic off because it was the baby dying that was that it makes it so much worse than a daughter who can talk and speak. Yeah. You know, the kid couldn't speak. That made him even creepier when he came back. And then one of the worst, grossest scenes ever where, uh, in, in the book and in the movie where he slices the judge's Achilles tendon with a scalpel. Gross. <laughs> And don't forget the uh, the sister Zelda, which I think yes. was a, you know many people had nightmares from from her in the in the bed with the twisted back and everything. And I don't know how well they re- they did it in the remake, but in the original, even from the eighties, it was it was a terrifying scene. Yeah, absolutely, it was. It was. My next one is different seasons, which yes. is a collection of four novellas, but all four of them are excellent, excellent, excellent. And three of them have been made into movies. Two of them. Uh, classic and one of them okay, but but I mentioned earlier uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, unbelievable. And the best part about different seasons is every story 
is connected to a, a season. Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption is is Hope Springs Eternal. Uh, yeah. Apt Pupil, which is Summer of Corruption. Uh, that's yeah. about uh, that's a great book, man. Or that's awesome. It's about a a, a kid who finds an ex. He, he hangs out with an old man and then realizes that the old man is a Nazi war criminal yeah. and slowly drives him to start doing these war crimes again. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you got The Body, uh, which is Fall from Innocence, and that became Stand By Me, one of the best movies, uh, not just in King's collection, but one of the best movies of all time, I'd say. And then you've got the one that has never been made, The Breathing Method, which is A Winter's Tale, which is also a great uh, story, which is about a storyteller's club, and their motto is, it's not the story, it's he who tells it. And mm. I love that. Uh, I love that, that line. Yeah, with uh, with the body that, of course, became Stand By Me, as you mentioned. I remember uh, seeing the movie when I was younger, of course, and then reading the short story. And like I said, as, as a younger kid, I kind of leaned more towards, you know, adult movies, mature movies, mature reading, whatever. So for me, it was cool to see a kid's story where the kids were talking like the kids I knew and smoking and all this, you know. Yeah, right. That's how kids around that age, you know, would act. You know, you're all trying to curse around each other. You're trying a cigarette, whatever. And it would just, it just was very realistic to me the way those characters were written and, and you know, even portrayed in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Very well done. It's a, I showed that movie to my son when he was about 12 or 13 with his friend, and they loved yeah. it for that reason. It, the story and the movie is uh, ageless. And uh, it's funny, when I was in college, I was in journalism and creative writing was one of the, the side classes, one of the minors or whatever. And I had, you had to write a book for one of your uh, final year tests or scores. And I did uh, four short stories, and I called it Elements, based mm. completely on different seasons. And every story had something to do with fire, earth, uh, water, air, and um, what's the other one? Earth, maybe? Whatever the hell it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> so each one of them was based on that. It's totally stolen from, from different seasons. That was a great idea, though. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I should try and find it. Um, all right, number six. Misery. Nice. Something that I, I did see the movie first, and uh, but uh, there's the, the book is so much more violent, un- unbelievably more violent. I don't think people realize yes. that there was certain things that they didn't want to do on the screen where uh, she hobbles Paul Sheldon in the movie with a sledgehammer, which is brutal enough. But in the book, she actually hacks off his foot. Yeah. Oh, and it's and I, I remember reading. I think he mentioned it in in uh, on writing actually, where he ta- talked a little bit about his uh, books. It became movies that he just couldn't convince them to keep that in, and it, it really pissed them off at one point. Like, no, you have to keep in that that um that scene. And they convinced him that this hobbling idea that actually did come from how they would treat thieves back in the day, and, and you know the mines. Like this would make sense. We could use it. We can't have we can't have her hacking his foot off. We just can't. You know what I mean? So, but um, it was uh, Annie Wilkes. Even before the movie, in the book, is one of the most memorable memorable characters he's ever written. She is such an amazing psycho, and she's basically one of those super fans that um, just goes the extra mile and obviously just becomes obsessed. And then she tells him how to write a book and what she wants in the book, et cetera, et cetera. But I remember she's so weird and she's super like proper and all these sort of things, and she refuses yeah. to swear. But I think either in Misery or Carrie, she, I think it's Carrie, actually, where they, she calls breasts dirty pillows. <laughs> <laughs> and I always liked that, dirty pillows. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, 
well, one thing about King is, and like I said, from reading on writing and a different uh, biography about him, you know, he had his issues in the seventies and eighties with, you know, drinking and drugs or whatever. And he actually said that when he wrote Cujo, he has no memory of it because he was just blitzed. Really? Right? Yeah. So he was a bad drinker. Uh, yeah, drinker, pills, uh, coke. Like he was, he was, he was, uh, he was in it. So, but with Misery, he said that Annie to him kind of represented him trying to beat his addictions. Like that's that's in his mind, that's how he was writing it. You know, Paul Paul Sheldon's fighting Annie, but in his mind, he's fighting his addictions at the time. You know, and one thing I was trying to find a few little, you know, uh, notes here and there that you might not have been aware of. The uh, Misery was originally supposed to be a Richard Bachman book. Oh wow! Yeah, but he had been out at just prior to uh, to its release, so it wound up becoming a Stephen King. And, book. and what, what was the difference between a King book and a Bachman book? Well, he, he used the the pseudonym Richard Bachman to, I guess, kind of write different styles and also to test, like, hey, can I also maybe I'm just selling books because I'm Stephen King now. Let's see if I can sell them under gotcha. another. Was his idea? So anything that was kind of less or a different style, maybe not as much supernatural horror in it, he would put on the Bachman side of things, but. Uh, I believe it was like a local journalist, uh, journalist rather, in uh, Maine found it out and called him, and he just admitted it, you know? That was it, yeah. I remember she was calling him a doobie, or a doobie, or a don't be, or something along those lines. That was another one of her proper terms, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my next one is Pet Cemetery as well, going chronologically, and we, we, we discussed that. And one more thing that I wanted to add about that is I, I love, there's a character there called, uh, I think it might be Victor something or other. Who's a guy that that doc, the doctor? Um, what's the main character in Pet Cemetery? Do you remember his uh, name? Uh, Creed. Uh, Creed. Lewis Creed. Right. Creed, and yeah. he tries to save this kid's life because he's a doctor, and the kid's had a car crash, and half of his head is caved in. And that guy comes back throughout the um, the story to, to throughout the novel to kind of warn him about the things he's doing. And I, I just love that character too. Got very much kind of like an American werewolf in London. Where the guy comes back and he's still got the smashed in head, but yeah. trying to you know warn him of all these different things that he's doing. Yeah, uh, Pascal. Pascal. That's a, yeah, and the, and the baby calls him Paxcal, or the, or the Pax little Cow. girl calls him Paxcal. Yeah. Um, what you, what do you got? What's next for you? Uh, five. I I got bag of bones up there. I even in my notes here put. Wow. I'm not. Yeah. I, like I'm not sure. I don't see this on too many top ten king lists. No. I, I don't know if. It, if people didn't like it as much as I did, or if it's kind of forgotten or whatever, whatever it is. But, um, it's, an, it's another one that I pick up and find myself rereading a lot. And it's, it's one of his good ones. I really think it is. It's got a great, like, uh, main bad guy, the, um, Max DeVore, the evil, you know, multi-billionaire villain trying to go after the, the, the young lady character that this guy, the main character is, uh, kind of being protective over. And, there's uh there's a pretty interesting supernatural story behind it too about the haunted house that he's staying in and it's tied up in with his writer's block. It's really good. It's it's long and um it's just everything's really well developed. And I, like I said, I don't think it's mentioned that much, especially why I included it up there just to kind of throw it out there. Like, hey, if you haven't read it, give it a shot. And once again, these the, I, I I'm glad that you chose some of those books because that was kind of the the proverbial dead zone time frame for me with king that was when when yeah. i felt that he was just writing more psychological thrillers and and it was it i read them all but never they never grabbed me the way that these earlier books did uh and the next one on my list is is is, is my i said the stand is my favorite this one may be my favorite as well depending what day it is and that's the talisman um mm. the book that he wrote with peter straub yeah 
they need to make a movie about this. I don't know how you can do it, though. It's so long. It's so involved. And it's so great. Uh, it involves a kid who basically can flip back and forth to a medieval world and then the real world. But he has to go back to the medieval world where he's meant to be king to save that world, which in turn saves our world. And yeah. he meets a werewolf and a demon and giant slugs and there's radioactive monsters and there's a, a, a crooked preacher who's really Satan and it's really, really good. Yeah, I remember reading the paperback uh, when I was younger and then I, I actually have a hard a hardcover somewhere of the other one that they wrote together. What was it Black Black Star? Black, yeah, Black House. Black House, yeah. So that's that's on the list as well of things that, that I haven't read yet. But the Talisman was great. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of uh, I didn't appreciate Dark House as much. As a matter of fact, I forgot about it um, because it, it's kind of an ipso facto sequel to to um, um, uh, Talisman. I just didn't find that it worked very yeah. well. Uh, but also a lot of Dark Tower uh, crossover stuff. But um, they really, really need to make a, a, a movie about this. And it says they've been planning one for decades, and yeah. it's been in development hell for the last you know, 10, 10 years or so. so um, but really well done, and it's very long. And I always wonder how they wrote that. I mean, did one guy write one part, and then the next guy write the next chapter? Or yeah. I'd be curious. Did he ever mention that uh, in, uh, on writing when you read it? Um, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, you have to imagine either it's I do a chapter, you do a chapter, or else yeah. someone writes the framework, or you know, kind of like working in a writer's room at uh, on a, on a drama or something like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. V- very very well done. Like I said, uh, so d- definitely. Once again, it's a thousand pages, so it's it's a long read, but worth yeah. uh, worth checking out. I might actually go back and read it after I finish the stand. Yeah, this is, uh, like I said, this is inspiring me to, to reread and go back and check out a bunch of the stuff that I haven't read in years or, or read some of the ones that I haven't read yet. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. What do you got next? Uh, the Shining. Yes, yes. The Shining is, for some reason, and I, he's written scarier characters, scarier scenes. To me, The Shining overall is the scariest book I've ever written. Or, or uh, ever wow. Read. And Why is that? I don't know. It's just the mood about it, the feeling, the the creepiness, and and this is without taking the movie into account. I just think it's there's a mood about that novel that like you know if you're reading it in a, in a dimly lit room, you're gonna be looking over your shoulder. You know, like it just has that feeling about it. And of course, the original movie with Nicholson, uh, you know, you can't walk around in like a very quiet, abandoned looking hotel late at night without being freaked out, especially if there's like a, a certain pattern of carpet down the hallway or something. You know. It's just the shining really made uh, really made hotels. You know, it could be a terrifying experience. You know, it's interesting too because, like you mentioned, the, there was a big feud between King and uh, and uh, Stanley Kubrick, who made the shining because he kind of took it in a different direction, and it didn't. King didn't like the adaptation of it, so that's why they did the miniseries, which is more just exactly like the book. But I'll tell you what, that movie holds up. I just watched it with my daughters; they're getting into horror movies, and we watched it probably about a month ago. And it's slow, but when it hits, it hits hard, and it's really well done. Of course, you can't think of The Shining without thinking of Jack Nicholson and yeah. you know, here's Johnny and all that stuff. But it's another such a well-written book about the guy who basically gets taken over by the, 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 the ghosts that live inside the, the haunted hotel and cause him to go crazy, just like the previous caretaker went crazy and killed his family, and that's what they want uh, want him to do as well. And you can see how that 
like the character of Jack Torrance was kind of informed by his own struggles with alcoholism, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's right. And that's probably right yes. around the time when King yep. was in the midst of his. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, next for me is uh, another short story collection that I love and actually came out when I was buying these books. So, you know, you'd be, oh, the new Stephen King is out. I'm going to buy it. And it's called Skeleton Crew. Um, once again, so many great, uh, great, great stories in here. It opens up with one of my favorite King, uh, King stories of all time, the mist, which, mm-hmm. like I said, the movie's great. The ending sucks. The ending in the book is so much better. And, uh, Hollywood just insists on having, you know, everything wrapped up at the end. Whereas the, the mist ends the same way that the thing does, you know, well, let's just sit here for a while and see what happens. And there's really no ending to it. You just don't know. And the mist is basically about, a mist that comes and it's filled with horrific creatures like from another dimension. And there's a group of people stuck inside of a, of a, of a grocery store. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you haven't read the mist, you need to go read it right now. It's so, so good. But there's also the monkey, uh, Mrs. Todd shortcut, the jaunt, the wedding gig, the raft, which they made a movie of in creep show Two. word processor of the gods, beach world survivor type, which is great about a, a gangster who gets stranded on a desert island and ends up having to eat his own hands. He has to cannibalize himself because there's nothing left to eat. Uh, yeah. Grandma, but it's 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 really really good. Um, very very classic King for for the majority of the book. Yeah, is the movie the one that has Thomas Jane, right? Yes, The Mist. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm like, am I confusing The Mist with the Fog or my? You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah no, that's so, the one. Yeah. So the movie ending is different than the book. So the movie ending where they. They, they escape, but they like I, I forget how it goes. It's so stupid because it ends because they're getting attacked by you know a yeah. giant monster, and he made a deal that he would shoot everybody in the car before they they would get eaten by these evil creatures, and he shoots everyone in the car, including his own son. And right when he does that, uh, the mist clears and the military comes and saves yeah, the day. It's like the dumbest ending ever. It's it's so <laughs> depressing, and I hated yeah. it, and I can't believe the movie tested well enough to allow that ending to stay. Yeah, yikes. Yeah, but um, once again, lots of movies from that, and uh, uh, actually not as many as, as as I think as 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 Night Shift had, but still worth uh, worth reading uh, that book for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with uh, different seasons next, so nice. uh, you you had already mentioned it, but I mean, uh, again, if you the Shawshank Redemption, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption is this called in there is endlessly readable, just like the movie is endlessly watchable. Uh, apt pupil i i found almost as like disturbing as rage because it's kind of similar disturbed high school character you know he's he he winds up you know hanging out with with the i don't escape nazi as you mentioned and then towards the end he just basically takes a rifle up to the top of a bridge and starts picking people off and i'm like man this this book is well yeah a little dangerous in the wrong hands you know but that's um, a great point and this is after he he tortured this this Nazi with, with threatening to turn him in and, and gets him to start killing cats. And then he starts killing dogs right. and then he, he starts killing bums. And then he basically, he dr- makes him dress up in his Nazi outfit and do Heil Hitler. And it's, it's really yeah. disturbed. And that's why the movie did not come across as well. Cause it's just, it's a disturbing story all across the board. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, it's one of his darkest ones. And I mean, that's, that's covering a lot of ground. And I'll say this too. It's funny because, um, Anthrax, you could tell, obviously, were King fans because they wrote a song called um, Skeleton, Skeleton in the Closet, which was based on that pupil. They oh. wrote Among the Living, which was based on, uh, on The Stand. And they wrote another song from State of Euphoria record called Misery Loves Company about misery. So 
lots of King um, influences there. And oh. I wrote a song called Stranded uh, for my high school band, Scimitar, which was based on Survivor type. So always ripping off the greats, Jojo. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got next? Uh, it. Okay. Uh, you know, another one that's it's very long. It's, it's an epic. It has that crazy scene that we mentioned earlier. But it's, it's endlessly uh, rereadable, like I said. And, and every one of the characters, one of the notes I made here is that every one of the good guy characters is like relatable. There's never a boring chapter like, oh, no, it's the, right. it's the Mike Librarian chapter. Let's get everyone's chapter is good. Ben, ben becomes an architect and Bill becomes a, a, you know, a famous author and Richie becomes a comedian. And, you know, it's just it's really, really good. And, and one thing that I, that I like to do with it is to um, try to read it sequentially, which it's not written that way at all. But if you, when you read the, the kids chapters first and then the little interludes and then the adult chapters – it, it kind of you know shows it to you know in a whole new way, and uh, it's a little difficult to flip back and forth and all that. But I, I've done it a few times, and to me, that's it's he's got a few of them, but that's one of his masterpieces for sure. One of the greatest characters too, Pennywise. We were talking whether it's Skarsgård or whether, they're, of oh, course, yeah. the classic Tim Curry. But in the book, he's basically an entity that can turn into your biggest fear, and that goes from you know werewolves and Frankenstein's and evil people and giant spiders and. Uh, King has a real affiliation with spiders, and I don't like spiders either. Uh, so that always freaks me out too. And he really described that spider, really grossed me out. And there's spiders all over the mist as well, which are have acid webs, and it's just uh, you know it, he has a lot of that sort of stuff. And it's funny too because there's a, there's a scene that's borderline cheesy in it too when they're the Chinese restaurant, all the fortune cookies start turning into to little creatures. Yeah, but. It's exactly the way that he wrote it. I went back yeah. and read it afterwards, and all those little creatures are in the book. So if you think that it's a little bit cheesy, it's they're just doing exactly what, what King had written in those books. Another thing that they couldn't touch uh, as far as adapting it for the screen, we've talked about some of the darker characters that he's written. There's a character in it called Patrick Hostetter, and there's a chapter set aside for this character. And if you remember, he was one of uh, uh, Henry Bauer's friends, and he was uh, – he was, you know, they described him in the book like he's a sociopath. He has no feelings, this and that. There's actually a scene where he smothers his, his two-year-old brother to death, and it's difficult, difficult chapter to read. But wow, to right, me, yeah. One of the darkest characters in, in a whole collection of them, but Patrick Hostetter. I mean, you ask any Stephen King, you know, aficionado, they'll remember Patrick Hostetter. They, they couldn't really touch him, you're right. Cause, I, he showed up, and he was on like a missing child poster. People went, oh, man, they're going to use Hostetter, but that was that was it could use them for anything else you know at least yeah. not the way the book yeah like you said there's some certain characters that um you know i, I like like you said like patrick hoster but once like i love i mentioned him earlier but the kid from the stand yeah. like just one of the best just psycho lunatic characters uh, we mentioned trash can man patrick hotstetter the villain from 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 the body from uh what's his name uh, Kiefer sutherland played him ace Ace, Ace Merrill. Ace Merrill, yeah. Like, just, you know, it's just like Buddy Repperton and Christine. Like, just these fucking assholes that aren't just high school bullies. They're high school bullies if they were maniacs and psychotic that these kids have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, for me, I think you might have, I think I might have missed around there. But yeah, uh, I think you got two. So, King comes, once again, going chronologically, because I had it on my, uh, on my list as well. And if you look at King... That it was uh, based, uh, written in, and released in '86. Uh, then he had some good ones after that, and then that's when he went into kind of that wasteland for me, 
which yeah. started with you know kind of the dark half needful things you know like i was talking about gerald's game dolores claiborne insomnia rose matter i mean those Matter. are all just relationship stories or or like domestic abuse and yeah. you know i just did not like any of them regulators and Dreamcatcher and all that sort of stuff but um he made a little bit of a comeback with cell uh, then to me, where he really struck gold again was in 2009 with Under the Dome, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is another one of his super long books, which is over a thousand pages. But what I love about it is it's a lot like The Stand in that what would happen if suddenly the outskirts of your town were basically covered with a dome? Yeah. Um, and and another, another king thing is he doesn't explain things sometimes. He just says sometimes bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And right. he doesn't really explain why the dome is there, but people have to deal with it. And then what happens when the society and the town starts to go nuts? And then you almost have another stand situation with you know the good side and the evil side on both sides of town until they finally have this giant war. Um, but it's it's really well done, and that's where I was like, ah, oh, my, the king is back. You know what I mean? It's like right. if you're a big Kiss fan. And they do, you know, uh, rock and roll over, and then they go to the disco, and then they go all these pop things, and then finally Creatures of the Night comes out. And you're like, they're back, they did it, and that's what I felt like for Under the Dome. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a- another return to form, and uh, another one of his big epics, and it, you know, touches on the issues that you mentioned. And I think it's funny that as King readers, you know, my wife has said like, you know, you read too much, you watch too many movies, because as soon as this coronavirus thing started i was doing the shopping it's like man it's all gonna hit the fan this is it and she's like you read too much man you you watch too many movies you read too much of the stand and this and that so <laughs> you got to prepare though and, that, and that's yeah that's like, like i said that and uh you know i remember carrying that book around i was working for the wwe and, and just having this giant book in my hand and that's you know you can read it on kindle now and a lot of yeah. times i do because a lot of times i'll say ah, i want to read you know the stand I'm not at home. I'm not at a bookstore, so I'll just start reading it. But there's something to be said about having that giant, you know, that giant tome that you could almost use as a weapon if you had to. You could throw it at somebody's head, you know. After Under the Dome, another one that he released just a few years later was uh, 11-22-63. And this one is up there for me as one of the greatest King books of all time. Uh, This deals with time travel and a guy who basically has to stop the assassination of JFK. But if he does that, he has to leave the love of his life behind. And uh, there's, it's so good, uh, so well done, and not a horror book in the least, but a little supernatural with the time travel, but just one of the best written books I've ever read in my life. Yeah, and as someone who, you know, I've gone through time periods where I'm like a Kennedy assassination buff, and I'll, I'll devour everything I can about the subject and read the book and whatever, and then revisit it a few years later after I haven't read about it or around the anniversary of the shooting, all the documentaries come on and stuff. So for me, it was like, Oh, King's going to write a book in that world around the assassination. Like what a combination, you know? And, and I, I really liked it. I really liked it. I th- the, the end I thought was, was great too, because you know, politically he, he leans left. And then I believe part of the end was like Hillary Clinton came into power in the country and like just ruined everything. And I was like, well, that's, that's not a character for him to, to write that. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, and both of those books that we mentioned were both um, made into miniseries. And Under the Dome, I, I, don't, I didn't like it because they strayed away from the book in order to get more seasons out of it. I wish they would just do it faithfully and make it a miniseries of you know six to eight episodes and end it 
but I never saw 11, 22, 63. I believe James Franco was in that. So I'm sure that'd probably be worth checking out. Have you ever seen the miniseries for that? Yep. Yeah. He was, he was the main guy. Yeah. And, um, any good, it, it was pretty close to the book to be honest with you. The, the ending was a little different, but it, it pretty much hit all the main points. It was good. It was uh, better than I expected actually. Good, good. Well, I have to check that out. Um, all right. Uh, I guess we're down to number one now, right? Yeah, I had to, I had to go with the stand and, uh, you, you mentioned before and we've discussed it a little bit, but, uh, like I said, I wanted to find a couple of things that maybe you didn't know. And did you know that they actually have made a new stand miniseries? Really? Yeah. CBS all access. It's going to be like the flagship of the CBS, you know, wow. st- streaming media. And, uh, it was supposed to come out in 2020. Who knows what all the scheduling changes that entertainment's going through, but, um, Starring James Marsden and Amber Heard, that could be something of a hurdle too. As controversial as she's been, you never know if that could. What, did, what did she do? Amber Heard uh, was married to Johnny Depp, and now she's been accused of like falsely accusing him of spousal abuse. Oh wow! Right. Whole, so I don't know if that's controversial enough to, to to you know put a stop to it or give it less of a release than it would have gotten. I'm just looking at it right now. It says yeah. set to premiere on CBS All Access. And looking through the 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 names involved here, um, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg Gold- is Mother Abigail, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Marilyn Manson is Trash Can Man. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, Alexander Skarsgård is Randall Flag. Oh, see, I didn't I didn't see that part. That's that's really good. Yeah. That's the same guy who played uh, Pennywise. And to tie it back, as as I said, being a big Doors fan, uh, Manson covers the end. For the show, which oh, wow. I think even Shooter Jennings uh, did a cover of, of the end. I'm like, wow, that's going to be interesting. So hopefully it does come out this year. This CBS All Access, uh, one of the one of the draws to it is supposed to be the fact that, you know, it's streaming so they can use whatever language, violence, whatever. So they don't have to tone down the, the, the stand as far as I've read. So it, it should be interesting. I mean, hopefully hopefully they uh, they nailed it. I, I didn't see how many parts it's going to be, but you know as well as I do, that's that's going to take a lot of... Uh, yeah, if, if you're going to do it right, you got to do it uh, long, like you said. I mean, um, this is not something you can wrap up. Like I said, the 94 miniseries was fun, and I appreciate the fact that they did it, but they had a lot of... Uh, you know, chains on their hands just because of the material. And then, of course, the, the time, they just didn't have enough to, to do it yep. all. But that, that had some good characters in it and good casting as well. But I'm excited to see this new one for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, my number one, uh, the original didn't make it on the list, but the sequel did, and that's Dr. Sleep. Once uh-huh. again, another amazing late career king book which is the sequel to the shining based around danny torrance growing up but it's not that that's again it's the tale of two cities where it's danny torrance he's like alcoholic like his father he still has the shine but then he has to deal with the true knot who are a group of basically life force vampires led by rose the hat who mm. uh the movie for this was great too she was excellent in the, in the book but it, it has one of the worst scenes uh, in that book that I've ever read in my life. Mm. And that's when they basically skin the 12-year-old kid alive. Oh, jeez. Well, it's like you said, he's not afraid to, uh, to sacrifice a, a child and, you know, character in any of the books. So. You know, and, and they said just to show how evil the, 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 the true knot is. And I was like, I get it, but it was written such with so much detail. And then... 
I took my daughters to that movie too, and we're just sitting there as this poor kid is screaming, and like we get the point, like enough, end it. But yeah. um, such a great book, a great ending. That's that that uh, they go back to the Overlook Hotel uh, to wrap that up. But um, once again, definitely, definitely recommend that to anybody who uh, who hasn't read that one. That's a King fan. Yeah, I remember when I first read the description that it was coming out, and it was like, wow, like. He doesn't normally do, you know, sequels per se. Like characters right. will be rinsed, or they'll be, you know, a friend of a character will show up in another book, or or someone's relative. So for him to do a sequel, I was like, that's interesting, you know. And it's another one like out, like The Outsider, where I want to read it and I want to see the movie, and I'm kind of like, well, which one am I going to do? And so it's on my list. It's on my list to read. Absolutely, you'll 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 yeah. dig it for sure. It's very very well done, but. Well, dude, what a what a great chat about uh, about the greatest writer of all time, in my opinion. And that's not like we said; that's not uh, just labeling him as a horror writer, just as a writer uh, across the board. Yeah, yeah, and and like yeah, exactly. He's he's characterized as horror. I'm sure he's on the horror charts and in the horror section in your bookstore and all that. But the stories have a lot more depth than your typical, you know, scary book or whatever. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, but. Well, dude, I appreciate it, and uh, I think we both got some books to read and some miniseries yeah. and movies to watch, and uh, we'll uh, come up with another subject and, and do another show soon. Absolutely. All right, Absolutely. man. Thanks, Jojo. Yep, thank you for having me. Cheers, brother. Cheers.